Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the iHemp Revolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? I am. Well, great. Now, my guest is ready. Her name is Marty Clemens. Marty is an investor in medical cannabis company called Illinois Grown Medicine, a licensed mastery-level higher brain-living facilitator. She is an ordained interfaith minister, Reiki master, and yoga teacher. She publishes a blog on consciousness called Living on the Edge. Marty has a law degree and master of science in financial markets and trading, and a business degree in entrepreneurship. She was a securities lawyer with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Marty is a social entrepreneur and sustainable developer living in Durham, North Carolina. So, Marty, welcome to the IHAMP Revolution. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, it's nice to have you. Um, so, from a securities lawyer to an interfaith minister and Reiki master, <laughs> well, that's a new one for me, Marty. So, Please tell us how this came about and where did hemp enter into this? Well, I've had a very interesting life, as you can tell from my bio. But uh, about 2002, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, I was working as a general counsel of a startup options trading company. And I, I had the opportunity to ask myself, what do I really want to do with my life? Because the startup company was dying. And I was pregnant with my first daughter. And I was pregnant during 9-11. And I really, the, I had a memory of a very positive experience when I was 17 of taking yoga. So I became a yoga teacher. And um, I did that part-time and I was a corporate securities lawyer part-time from home while raising my children and eventually transitioned into full-time law, excuse me, full-time yoga and owned my own yoga studio. Uh, through that, became an ordained interfaith minister. And through that, I had the opportunity to teach yoga in a lot of not-for-profit settings, really looking at a lot of different social issues. Um, and it was through that that I really came to understand a lot of the systemic social issues or started to learn about a lot of the systemic social issues that were present in our society. And uh, it was just in August that we had the opportunity to move to North Carolina. And when I was in seminary, what became clear to me that Possibly one of my best and highest uses as a human being was to help develop sustainable communities because it really does involve a lot of different aspects of things that I had done in the past. 
So uh, I became involved with helping to develop a sustainable community here in North Carolina while I was still living in Chicago uh, and had been flying down here once a month. And uh, my family had the opportunity to move down here uh, in August of this year. So while I was still living in North, uh, excuse me, in Chicago, I had the opportunity to become an investor as part of an investor group in a medical cannabis company, as you said, called Illinois Grown Medicine. And um, so I am a passive investor in that company. I have not been actively involved in running that company. But the the medical cannabis laws, the recreational cannabis laws, and uh, had been on my radar, but hemp actually had not been on my radar until I'd moved here and uh, kind of saw what was going on with the different laws. And hemp came onto my radar because of my uh, involvement in the sustainable community and uh, looking at building homes using hempcrete. And so that's how it really, really first started to come onto my radar um, before that, I really had only been focused on medical cannabis. So I'm new to the hemp revolution. I'm excited of everything that I've learned about it so far. I'm particularly excited for North Carolina, since we are the only state in the United States that has a hemp processing facility. So I have been to the processing facility for the hemp road trip event. Yes, much there. Yep, I met you there. And since then, I have uh, become a volunteer with the North Carolina Industrial Hemp Association, really looking at strategy for raising the money required to fund the uh, Industrial Hemp Commission for the state of North Carolina. And my... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say my efforts have focused more on grassroots organizations because a lot of the efforts so far have been aimed at larger institutional money. And um, I believe most of the people I talk to have no idea that hemp even became legal, or if they do, they have some vague notion of it. And I also find that most people do not understand the difference between marijuana and hemp. So you're a volunteer with the North Carolina Hemp Association, and what are some of the programs or what are some of the things that you're actually working on? I know you're raising money, but uh, other than that, what what are you doing? Well, actually, I've just been assigned this task. Uh, Given that I am a lawyer, Mm -hmm. um, looking at best practices across the different states for regulating the hemp industry is what I've been assigned right now. So I'll be looking at the different laws in the different states so that when the commission is funded, we'll be able to present a best practices paper to them to hopefully get uh, industrial hemp production going sooner in North Carolina and not having to have that work done after we're funded. Exactly. Uh, Have you looked into Vermont? I'm aware of Vermont. Um, and I'm going to be doing starting this in-depth study actually today, but I am aware of Vermont, and I'm aware that it seems to be on the the very lenient end of regulation. Yes. Which, given our political environment in North Carolina, is probably not going to be what North Carolina chooses. 
But I certainly would be advocating for as open of a policy as possible. But we have to, of course, take into consideration the political climate in North Carolina is not anywhere near the political climate in Vermont. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm finding that out. Is this, it's, it's a pretty wide difference in every state. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. is. And I'm actually really interested in helping at the federal level as well because I just think it's really, really silly that each state is doing this on a state-by-state basis. And, you know, the the money and the inefficiency in doing it on a state-by-state basis is just really crazy to me. Yes. So I want to go back to um, what is a mastery-level higher brain living facilitator? (laughs) So higher brain living is a light-touch technique that brings energy to the parts of the brain that we don't typically use. Mm Mm-hmm in the prefrontal cortex. And what I actually found in um, being involved in the medical cannabis company in Illinois was that there was a study done on what children with multiple seizure disorder responded the best to the medicine. And it was the kids who had more developed receptors in their prefrontal cortex. So I think there actually might be some connection between why medical cannabis is so effective for some children. Um, And this this other thing that I do, which is completely different, which really came out of my path with yoga of continually seeking better and faster ways to come into higher levels of consciousness. And so through my yoga path, I eventually found higher brain living which is um, it's a modality for helping us unleash our untapped potential. And I, I'm very interested in human potential. You have their blog on consciousness called Living on the Edge. I do. When did you start that? I started it about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, because I found that as I was going through this process of my own higher brain living and my own growth, I had a lot of insights coming in that I wanted to share. And I feel that uh, everyone should have a blog because it, it helps empty out all of the things in your mind that can keep you in your mind. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very useful <laughs> for everyone to experience creatively what's in the mind to help empty the mind, in my opinion. Okay. So how do you see what you're doing now helping the industrial hemp industry? Well, I think given my background as a federal government securities lawyer, uh, I tend to, and a mom and a yogi, uh, I tend to have probably a different profile than the average person who may be advocating for hemp. And I've always kind of had a gift of being able to talk and present to many different types of audiences and be kind of a bridge person. So I can speak at the general counsel level and I can speak at the everyday person level. Um, And I think that's kind of useful because I don't think there's a lot of 
some people might not think I'm an average person, but I think I'm a pretty normal average mom. Um, I don't think there's a big movement or education among moms about what hemp is all about. And um, the, the deeper I go into it, the more questions I have as to why it's not legal. Yes. And I see that uh, you and I have some overlapping um, things that we can talk about. Let me ask you this, Marty. What is the one thing that has you most excited about industrial hemp? Growing it. Growing it in North Carolina. Um, the farmers here are really, really hurting from tobacco moving offshore. Um, and part of my mission as a sustainable community is developing local economies. And I can't think, and, and resilience. And I can't think of a product or a crop that we can use in so many different ways. We can grow it as a sustainable community. We can make hempcrete out of it. We can build the houses, the tiny houses that we're building without importing hempcrete. Uh, so just the whole uh, vertical integration aspect of, of industrial hemp is extremely exciting to me. And so how do, you, how do you see industrial hemp changing the economy in North Carolina there? I see it changing it hugely. Um, again, it's a matter of lack of education. I've been reaching out to farmers. Uh, most farmers aren't aware of it. Most farmers uh, are really, really excited. But when you have a, a population of people that are so diverse, and so spread out, it's a matter of connecting the dots and providing the information. And I see a huge opportunity to provide education to the farmers uh, about how to grow industrial hemp. You know, the farmers that I talk to uh, are very excited about um, industrial hemp. And, and a few of them have actually said that growing tobacco that is actually not good for people they want to get a crop that's really good for the people and the planet. And they're excited about this crop. I think so. I think the more farmers we talk to, the more that we'll get excited. Um, I think right now they're hurting. And um, in North Carolina in particular, it's such a huge opportunity because there are so many farmers. And it's largely, you know, the main economy is still very agricultural. Um, and... I did speak to a Kentucky grower at one of the fundraising events. And, you know, he said one of the issues in Kentucky was that they were having a hard time finding outlets for their product. And I also think part of it is they don't have the, the processing facility that we have here in North Carolina. So I, we just, we have it all going on here if we can just get past the political obstacles that have been put up. And that's where all your talents comes in, especially being a, an attorney. Yeah, yeah. And we've really realized since we've moved here um, how important it is for everyone to be involved in the political process. And a lot of people want to avoid it because it can be icky, frankly. But it's really, really important to get anything done to get involved in the political process. So how do you, what's your vision uh, for yourself, let's say, um, and where do you see your business and how do you see 
yourself in the industrial hemp industry? I really see um, part of the sustainable community that I'm involved in developing has a not-for-profit that is specifically, um, its mission is to educate people on environmental sustainability. So I see that the not-for-profit could play a big role in educating the farmers. Um, I see my particular business is developing tiny houses. And I really am looking at how we can push the edge on sustainability and go beyond lead, go beyond using anything in the homes that is petroleum-based products. And so there's a brand new building standard out of Portland, Oregon, and it's called Living Building Challenge. And so I'm working with an architect from Raleigh and a developer, uh, a builder, who's a sustainable builder and teaches at the community college here, uh, teaches students how to build tiny houses. They use traditional materials. Uh, they do use some compressed earth block. And so I'm looking at how do we bring hempcrete into that world. Um, and there's just a lot of people right now that I'm meeting, and me included, who are coming to the realization that their life is unsustainable in some way. So um, my family, my husband is also a securities lawyer and worked for 25 years in financial services at J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, you know, hated it every minute. Got the opportunity to take a package and took it. <laughs> and so... <laughs> With the year's severance package, we moved to North Carolina to really focus, refocus our life on contribution and fun. And so that is the focus of my life is contribution and fun. And we're in a unique situation in that we can really spend our time doing the things that matter to us. And uh, being a volunteer for him matters to me. Building sustainable houses matters to me. Figuring out ways that we can not only be sustainable but regenerative uh, to the planet is important to me. I love that. So I see yourself and your husband really making a mark and um, I'm going to be building a tiny house myself out of hemp awesome. in, in, in uh, Colorado. In fact, I just uh, attended John Patterson's weekend uh, I'm very interested in, in hempcrete, and uh, I think that is an industry that's really going to be moving forward. I agree, and I, I think the local, I really believe in building local economies. And, um, you know, to have, to be able to grow it, to be able to build, uh, it's just, it's a game changer as far as how we live, how we work, how we play. Um, and, you know, I, I just, this, I don't see the tiny house thing as a trend. Some people think it's a trend, uh, it's trendy, but I do see it more as a trend that you know, there's a lot of people, especially the millennial generation that don't want to be tied to a mortgage and don't want uh, to be on the hamster wheel anymore. Uh, exactly. I've been living tiny most of my life since the 80s, actually. And so I've been living in small places, um, and 
uh, I saw this opportunity, and I've been researching for the last five years or more tiny houses. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said, yeah, I'm going to have one. So uh, I'm going to build it someplace, probably in Colorado, Foothill, someplace. And I'm not sure exactly um, where, but it, it'll happen. Well, we got land in North Carolina. Well, that's not, that's a, that's an option. That's an option for me. Believe me. Yeah, I, I'm like looking down there, and and you know, there's Kentucky. I mean, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, so you know, it's not too far from you guys. And uh, so yeah, so it'll be someplace. Well, I see a lot of these. I actually we're using ours as really a test community to see what's possible. Mm-hmm. But I do see that this is this is the way people want community. Um, and actually, I saw something on TV that was from about tiny houses. And it was saying the number one complaint people had about tiny houses was that they uh, tended to locate them in the middle of nowhere and had no community. <laughs> they may have just put up their tiny house in the middle of the woods. So I think uh, the tiny house is part of the, the solution, but I do think people in general want community and feel isolated in our culture. I agree with you. So we've covered quite a bit here, uh, Marty. Is there anything else that you would like to bring up about you or your business or your purpose in life? I, I I mean, I see my purpose as providing alternatives to the existing dominant culture reality. So I'm a huge Buckminster Fuller fan, um, and I don't believe in complaining about what's going on in our world and our planet. Uh, I would just believe in taking, it's time that we all stop complaining and start taking action. And there does seem to be a real momentum here in North Carolina for people that are very connected to the land because it's never stopped being an agricultural state. Um, there's a lot of people thinking differently here, and there's a lot of people actually taking action here. And why I think um, North Carolina is also has so much potential is because we have a lot of land, and the land is relatively cheap. So looking at how you can implement some of these in larger, you know, larger cities or California where the real estate is so expensive, um, some of those places don't make sense from a financial economic standpoint. Um, so I'm very excited. I feel like my purpose is to help build this, build infrastructure for the new earth. And um, yeah, so that's, I'm very excited. I think there's a lot, a lot of things changing right now. And um, it's just a matter of grassroots organization. I really think um, I did contact my federal representative who sent me back a response basically that showed to me that he had no, well, whoever, his staffer who wrote the response had no no knowledge of the difference between marijuana and hemp. And he also said if there was ever anything introduced in Congress that he would, you know, look at it. But there is something introduced in Congress. So, <laughs> and his, his letter was factually incorrect. So I'm going to be pursuing that because he's actually a very liberal representative. 
so uh, his name is David Price. So um, that's, you know, I think, I think just being involved in taking action because a lot of people have these same ideas, but very, very few people are taking action. Well, I agree with you. We have to take responsibility for everything that happens to us, and uh, we all have the responsibility to do that. Right. So, Marty, I want to thank you for being a guest on the IHAMP Revolution. It's my honor. Privilege. Well, great. Great to have you. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the IHAMP Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on Facebook, IHAMP Revolution. Like us and tell your friends. You know, help spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.